You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. When the 104th Giro d'Italia got underway in Turin on Saturday, there was a surprise in the opening time trial. It was a course that suited big, powerful riders, yet among them, in seventh place, was Remco Evenepoel, all 60 kilograms of him. Maybe we shouldn't have been surprised, but Evenepoel is still only 21. This is his first Grand Tour, and it's also his first race in nine months, since he suffered a terrible crash at Il Lombardia in August last year, falling over a bridge and into a ravine. This is the grainy helicopter shop. I think we've seen enough of this shot, really. Yeah. But uh, he was—he uh, dropped behind. There are the six riders ahead of us. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if uh, he'd had a puncture or if they'd been some kind of mechanical. But we do know that he was conscious uh, when the medical staff reached him. Nobody knows what to expect from Evenepoel here, but the early signs for him have been encouraging. As Daniel said in our opening episode, a short time trial might not mean much in the context of a three-week race, but it can be a good indicator of form, in which case Evenepoel looks to be in great form. But his performance in Turin even surprises the Koenig Quickstep teammate, Peter Seri. Uh, to be honest, yes, because uh, it was not uh, really his parkours uh, for his uh, weight. It was uh, 60 and a half kilo or something. And uh, it was made for guys like Ghana, above uh, 80 kilograms. It was really powerful uh, time trail. So uh, he surprised me, yes. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by Remco. But, you know, he's, as we've seen in his short career, he's kind of capable of anything, isn't he? <laughs> this guy surprised me every race. So, uh, yeah, it's, you really know, don't know uh, how far this uh, guy can go, uh, this zero. Uh, I can't say nothing about this, really. What do you think about him coming here and, and racing you know, after so long without racing? Is it, and we're seeing it with other riders as well, that some of the top riders are taking time away from racing to train. I mean, do you think that that is a... Tra- I know Remco's circumstances are different because he's had an injury, but do you think he can, through training, get himself into this sort of shape to be competitive here? Yeah, I think uh, he did a lot of uh, training camps, uh, two, two uh, big training camps. Uh, the trainer was with him to push him every day. Uh, farther and farther and uh, I think uh, he is able to uh, without races to be to be ready but I don't know if it's enough for uh, to do to make to co- compare with uh, the best riders in the world we will see grandioso en la cima de picón blanco chapó la victoria de etapa para el belga before his crash, Evenepoel had ridden four stage races in 2020, San Juan, Algarve, Burgos and Poland, and won them all. He was due to ride his first Giro last year, but missed it with the injuries he sustained in Lombardy. What should we expect from him here? It's really difficult to know. It sounds like Seri is as much in the dark as the rest of us. And yet one thing we should know about Evenepoel is that ever since he started racing, only four or five years ago, he has been a phenomenon without parallel. A journalist who has followed his career closely is Jan-Peter de Vlieger of Het Newsblad. I asked Jan-Peter when he first became aware of Evenepoel. 
No, I became aware of him uh, really early on. I, I even knew him uh, as a football player, as a young football player. Really? Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Anderlecht myself. So um, all of a sudden there were rumors that um, this, this uh, really promising uh, left-footed player had transitioned into cycling. And very early on, there were like um, on the supporter forums, talks about how good he was. And then I called with um, with the national coach, spoke a little bit about uh, this this young football player from Anderlecht, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, he's really an incredible talent. We did some tests in uh, in the Ardennes. It's quite amazing, but uh, we want to keep a low profile. Don't write about it yet." So I didn't, and I kind of missed. Uh, I dropped the ball there, I think. <laughs> His father was a cyclist, wasn't he? But he wasn't just a good footballer; and he was a very very good footballer. So it was it was a kind of loss to football when he turned to cycling. Yeah, 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 he was, he was. I've spoken to uh, youth coaches with the, with the national team and he, they, they said that he had the potential to become a professional player for sure. And then within cycling, I mean, he made an impact immediately, didn't he? I mean, it's all he's done since he's turned to, to the sport. You know, again, speaking to people in cycling in Belgium, um, were they aware of how talented he was from the minute he swung his leg over a bike? Uh, yeah, I think so, because you, you heard all these stories about uh, Junior winning with a seven-minute uh, advantage. Um, yeah, it was clear immediately, I think, that he was an uh, exceptional, exceptional talent. But he first came to, um, well, to the, to the footlight, really, I think, um, when he won the, the Worlds in 2018 mm. in um, Innsbruck, mm. I think. He looks around, he doesn't have to worry. Remco Evenepoel has sent the message to the world. The hype is worth it because I am the most talented young rider in the world. He has ridden away from the entire peloton. He has got time to savour the applause of the crowd here in Innsbruck. The wonder kid can just stand and lift the bike above his head. Philip Gilbert style. Remco Ivenepal is a double world champion. The, the way he won the, the time trial and especially the, the road race, that was exceptional. Then he came like a mainstream uh, media presence, I think. I mean, that's the thing in Belgium. He's always seemed very mature and very um, sort of savvy with the media. Um, as if he's been doing this for years. Does that come a bit from football, or, or is that just his personality? Um, I don't think. I don't know. I think it's uh, both. To be honest, I interviewed him after the the world. It was quite a long interview, like an hour long interview, and he was 18 years old at the time. And I I was like really taken aback about how well he understood the dynamic between a journalist and a, a, a rider. He, it's like he, he'd been given interviews his whole life. I don't know if he, he got a, a media training or anything like that at Anderlecht. Probably he did a little bit, but it's certainly in, uh, in, his, in his personality to not be impressed by, uh, by media or to feel intimidated. He, he knows how the game works and it comes very natural to him, that's for sure. Mm. And then at this Giro, JP, you know, he's been out for all this time, obviously. There's a lot of, certainly as far as I'm concerned, I don't really know the nature of, of his injuries. I mean, in Belgium, has it been a big story, you know, the the, the recovery and rehabilitation of Remco Evenepoel? Or, you know, are you, are you clear about exactly what was wrong with him and why he hasn't raced before this Giro? Yeah, it's always been a, a big story, but the, the thing is we have, 
very little access uh, to him as well. So um, we have every time there was a an official press uh, moment with Remco, it was major news in Belgium. So yes, we've we've been following it up <laughs> on a daily basis almost. But since there's so little access, uh, we haven't been fully aware of the extent of his injury or uh, the the actual reason why he didn't come uh, into competition earlier. Because in the middle of that, he obviously signed this five-year contract extension, so the team clearly have no concerns about his long-term health and fitness. No, that's that's true, that's true. I think Patrick Lefebvre did a very big uh, investment in the Remco, so they, cl- they clearly... Uh, are convinced that from, from a medical perspective that he won't uh, ha- have any uh, long-term problems with uh, with his injury. No, I mean, uh, would he, you know, would, would anything that he does here at the Giro surprise you? I've been speaking to a few people and pretty much not, none of them um, would be surprised if he even went on and won the, the Giro. It seems very far-fetched and unlikely, but he's kind of uh, surprised us at every point, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. That, that's, the, that's the only reason why you could believe in him winning uh, the Giro, because he always surprises and he always um, exceeds every expectation that put, that's been put upon him. But I think to win the Giro, it will be a very, very big ask uh, of him. His, his seventh place in, uh, in the opening time trial, that was already quite an achievement, I think, if you see... Uh, the, the riders that have finished before him, they're like all of a very different build than mm. him. Mm. It was uh, really a, a power, uh, an absolute power time trial. And to do so well, that's, that's already a big achievement. I think his shape is is, uh, is really, really good. Yeah. I was just going to, I mean, you know, it's maybe too soon for him this year, but if he was to win a, a Grand Tour, especially the Tour de France, I mean, how, how big is he already in Belgium and how big would he then be? That's very, very difficult to uh, to judge. He's, he's already in cycling, the biggest figure in Belgian cycling. Oh, he dominates every every news line. He's uh, on our website. Everything that has Remco in the title is clicked much more than any anything else. So yeah, he he'd be uh, maybe now he's he's uh, one of the big figures in the sports media, and if he wins the Giro, he'll be in the mainstream media, one of the, the big, uh, famous Belgian people. It's clear that everybody hopes that he, uh, that he wins this Giro and he ends the drought of the, the Belgians in the big, in the Grand Tours. Then Remco Mania would have liftoff. Oh, but it's already, it's it has already, already lifted off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a funny story that, you know, the, the last Belgian to win the Giro, to win a Grand Tour uh, overall was Johan de Munch. Of and, course. Uh, Remco made a, a remark that Johan de Munch is also the name of uh, his butcher in his uh, uh, hometown, in Schepdal. So now this butcher is already famous as well because he has been interviewed and he has uh, explained what the normal uh, order is that Remco puts in and all these kind of stories so Remco Mania has uh, has lifted off long before the Giro. A Belgian journalist who is at the Giro covering the race for sports of the television channel is Renat Schott. Just as Renat and I were about to start talking his phone rang. It was none other than Roger de Vlamink. After I asked what does Roger de Vlamink think of Remco Evenepoel? 
I didn't ask him, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm quite sure he's a big fan of, uh, of any Belgian uh, doing well right now. So uh, really exciting times, I would say, for, for the Belgian um, Giro fans, because somehow in, in, I feel like this, the 70s are yeah, reviving, uh, kind of. And, and uh, first of all, we have that uh, blistering statistic of, of uh, 17 Belgians even starting at the Giro. When I covered the Giro the first year, uh, back in my first Giro was in 96. It started off in Athens, but forget about that because there was too much Metaxa and stuff like that. But one Belgian, Hendrik Redan from TVM, and nowadays we have 17 Belgians. It's really, it's like a dream come true. And Hendrik Redan is back here as well. I saw him the other day. Yeah, he's in the, the team leader's car. Um, yeah. And the year after it was Axel Merckx, the, the only Belgian uh, in the race. Um, yeah, Hendrik van Dijk, uh, 99, was the only Belgian. So the, um, the pure fact that we have 17 Belgians here, I, I kind of said uh, recently in, in the TV news that in theory we have a chance to win every stage, which of course is exaggerated. But if you, you look at the, the possible scenarios, there's always a Belgian that could do something in the ideal scenario, which makes it from a Belgian point of view very interesting to cover this Giro d'Italia. And I guess uh, over the last few months, uh, following Evan Nepal's progress, his return, his recovery from injury, it uh, must have been a, a huge occupation for you. There's been a lot of racing, but this story has been bubbling away. Um, you know, when he announced in January that he had had a setback and he would be delaying his return to racing, did that come as a as a surprise? And how much have you known about his recovery? Uh, uh, quite quite a lot, actually. Um, the recovery in itself, I wouldn't say not the details, but afterwards, um, when he uh, started training again, I, I, I had a, a very long call with him for Pro Cycling Dutch version, and um, they kind of unfolded their plans with, uh, with him in the uh, run-up towards the Giro d'Italia. So then the, the first training camp in, uh, on the uh, Tede in, in Tenerife, he wasn't even able to, to do normal training stuff back then, but that was March, then came April, with, uh, with a lot of training on, on Sierra Nevada. And I think he, there for the first time, that's only a good month ago, he was able to, to put in the normal amount of work in order to, to prep for this Giro d'Italia. And then after uh, Sierra Nevada, he went back home and had this short uh, uh, training, uh, training camp in the Ardennes. And I think that, that made him the Remco from this moment, a guy that is in shape, but still big question mark we don't know how long that shape is going to last we have to wait and see what it does in the, the serious mountain what is he worth uh, above 2000 meter sea level all those questions have to be answered uh, his body has never endured a race longer than 10 days he's done a couple of races uh, back to back which made him do race like 10 days in a row he knows that experience but 11 days in a row is uh, unknown territory for him and I think um, everybody is eager to, to find out how far he will go uh, Belgium wants to know the team wants to know I want to know I think the world wants to know Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data actionable inside and personalized analytics we are here to help you achieve your performance goals Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast. Powered by Super Sapiens. As part of Super Sapiens' sponsorship of Kilometer Zero, we're introducing listeners to the Team Novo Nordisk Riders. 
You remember that last year the Giro was supposed to start in Budapest. That of course was cancelled because of coronavirus. And while the Giro rolls out of Modena today, the team Novo Nordisk riders will be on the start line at the Tour de Hongri. Among them is 32-year-old Italian Andrea Peron, and like all the riders on the Novo Nordisk team, he's a type 1 diabetic. Like so many people in Italy, he fell in love with cycling when he first saw the Giro with his own eyes. In Andrea's case, that was 1999, when his dad took him to see a stage finish. And ever since, May has been synonymous with pink and the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, every, every town is... Uh, when, when there is a town where uh, the Giro passes, all, all become pink is like a kind of magic. And like one, one month before, everything started to be pink. I remember since I was younger, when you live somewhere that the, the Giro d'Italia was passing close by, everyone was uh, is in the road and everybody even if they are not interested in cycling they know that the Giro Italia will pass there and who can for sure want to be looking at the Giro Italia I always repeat uh, that uh, I was pretty lucky uh, it's happened that uh, it was one month that I was not feeling really really good I was you know when you feel there is something that is not 100% I got diagnosed let's say my doctor Immediately, he told me, yeah, I have this, but uh, you need to pay attention of your sensation and do what you do now. You can still ride your bike. So I was lucky because to some people, they will say, no, you cannot uh, race your bike anymore. For me, it was never happened this. Maybe one guy without diabetes, I think is is more easy that uh, he ran out of energy because maybe he forgot to eat uh, and... It can happen. As for us, is maybe it's something that you have always in the back of your mind. You pay maybe more attention to your sensation, to what uh, your body told. And it's really helpful because uh, everybody of us, we always try to help each other, and yeah, we are a really good group. To find out more about the Super Sapiens continuous glucose monitoring system, go to supersapiens.com. Evenepoel's circumstances are unusual. The main reason he hasn't raced before this Giro is because he was recovering from injury. But there is another aspect to his return, and his time off. It's the idea that you don't need racing to find your best form. Egan Bernal has not raced for almost two months, preferring to train instead. Primoz Roglic is taking an even longer break from racing before the Tour de France. It seems like something of a trend, one that could change the way the top riders prepare for their major targets. Let's hear what some of the riders think. Here's Joe Dombrowski of UAE Team Emirates. Matthew, Joe, um, how do you tell the umbrella? About Remco. And uh, we're asking a few riders, I mean, he's obviously not raced for a long time. We've seen him do incredible things, but can you get yourself into this sort of condition to... To win. To, to win, to contend. Without racing. Without racing. Uh, I think it's a bit personal. I mean... Personally, I feel that I need to race a bit to really be in tip-top shape. But then there's some guys you see that just turn up and are good. Uh, and maybe if you get everything right in training, and I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe it's like 
the the stimulus of racing some guys just need it and some guys don't i mean bernal is also here with very little racing and i think ineos knows what they're doing so i presume he'll probably go quite well and uh i expect the same from remco but like i said i think it's a little bit individual have you raced against him much i mean what are your impressions of him uh i haven't raced with him i mean last year was quite truncated but um i haven't raced with him a whole lot i mean he seems like he can just do what he wants <laughs> like uh just i don't know attack anywhere and then ride solo for 60k and you so, can have strong guys chasing behind and he does so i mean he, he, he's incapable of i mean nothing he does really is really surprising and now is it no i mean he seems to be able to do everything larry warbass ag2r citroen he comes here having not raced for so long. What are your thoughts about that? Can, can you get yourself ready for your first Grand Tour having not raced for so long? Absolutely. I think really for a Grand Tour, training is probably the best prep. Uh, it's nice to sometimes do a race to get uh, you know the speed in the legs and stuff, but I think you can simulate pretty much everything in training and probably even be more ready. You see it now with Jumbo. That's how they do it. Uh, so I think that's the way cycling is going to move in the next years. Which is a bit of a shame because we'll see fewer of the big stars in the smaller races, I guess. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but maybe it leaves more smaller races for the rest of us. <laughs> um, what about Remco? Have you raced against him much? I mean, what are your impressions of him? Yeah, I mean, I haven't raced against him too much, but obviously he's a massive talent and uh, he's super, super strong. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll definitely see a demonstration of that in the next few weeks. Would you almost not be surprised at anything he does in this Giro? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. So he could win it? Yeah, why not? I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised, to be honest. Pavel Sivakov, Ineos Grenadiers. What do you expect from Evenepoel in this Giro? I mean, he's not raced for so long. Um, it's a very unusual approach to the race. He's looked good so far, but what do you expect from him in this race? Honestly, I don't know. I think he's the unknown. He's the guy, you know, everyone is like kind of uh, speculating around. Uh, yeah, we will see today how ready he is. I think today is going to be the first test. He's done really good prologue, so I think uh, he's definitely in great shape. But yeah, today is going to be the big test. So he's not, he is a, a, a rival, but um, you're sort of unsure about whether he'll he'll last the distance because it's his first Grand Tour as well. I think he's definitely a rival, you know. Uh, yeah, it's his Grand Tour, but we also seen that it's not a reason like you know to underperform it, it, it's your first grand tour i think like pogachar was third on his first grand tour so you know it's the same with remco he's uh, like one of those freaks so yeah yeah i think uh, he can he can be definitely up there but uh, it's not only about physical shape sometimes you know it's also about abilities on the bike like being staying safe and uh, yeah i think that's probably the biggest shock he can get you know not racing for so many time and then the first week of a Grand Tour with attention and everything is probably the hardest for him. And final question, Pavel, how, how close are you to the moon and how close will you be at the end of the Giro? <laughs> I don't know. We have to check my sats on Strava and uh, yeah, well of you well of you Now let's hear the views of a couple of sports directors and coaches. Xavier Atecha is Egan Bernal's coach at Ineos Grenadiers. I asked him whether he considers Evenepoel a serious rival to Bernal. Obviously, we don't know how he is uh, physically. Uh, for sure, they know. I think if they came here, I think uh, he came uh, because he's feeling great and uh, because he thinks uh, he can do a really good uh, GC. So uh, we know his potential. We know uh, how he did in the past races. So uh, obviously, for me, he's uh, one to keep an eye on. For sure, he's going to be there. 
the situation is different with, with him having had the injuries had, but Egan has also come here having not raced for a couple of months and we're seeing this trend a bit more. Do you think that will carry on, that, that some of the top riders will take more time out of racing and, and, and focus more on training? Yeah, we prioritized uh, the altitude with him because uh, he did quite a long period uh, in, uh, in Europe, uh, doing all the races in, in France, in Italy, finishing with, uh, with Tirreno. And uh, we tried to prioritize the training and the, the altitude before coming to the, to, the, to the Giro. Is that something that will continue? I mean, I'm wondering if it's a legacy of, of COVID almost when riders and teams could see how riders could train effectively without racing because cycling in the past was always you race to get fit whereas now you train to race it seems yeah i think uh, i think training you can you can achieve a really good condition uh, i think nowadays with uh, yeah with altitude uh, you can control really good intensity you can have a good speed uh, training with uh, motor pacing and uh, stuff like that so uh, we've seen we've seen in the past as well that the people coming in a long period with no races they came to a race in a really good condition and with really good rhythm no so i don't think so it's uh, it's necessary it's important but it depends it, it it can be part of the of the training to arrive to the biggest goal in your best shape or but uh, it's not necessary like to be like this matt white is the sports director at team bike exchange whose rider simon yates is one of the favorites for the giro well we've seen it we've seen a general change in the uh, in the trend of of preparation if you took the the top 10 favorites for this year's giro i think you've got about eight different ways they've prepared for this race from like like you said with, with injuries, with uh, you know, Bernal had a different case. He stopped his season early last year, so he came to Europe early, did a big block in February, March, then stopped. Simon Yates, more of a traditional route in. Uh, Bill Bilbao uh, and, um, and Lander also have had racing, but sporadically. And then uh, Almeida had a big, had a heavy block in February, March, and then he's only done the age since. So they've all had their own different ways to run into this race. And I think, yeah, depending on who you are, your background, how old you are. Uh, there's, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat, but I think the, the general trend in preparation is less race days, more preparation time, and as everyone knows, yeah, none of these guys come to a bike race without being a, uh, doing a stint at altitude. As whoever wins will have prepared in exactly the right way. Exactly, for them, for them. And uh, it is, it's very, it's, but the, the general trend uh, has changed. It has changed. You know, before everyone would be at the same races. Uh, you'd be racing the same competition in those those leading races, like the Tour of the Alps and or Basque Country or, or Catalonia or the Ardennes. Uh, and now there is a lot of different ways that the guys are preparing. Ian Paul coming up to the line. It's going to be stage win, yellow jersey, and a win at the Volto Algarve for the young star Remco Ebnepoel. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. You've been listening to an episode of Kilometre Zero by the Cycling Podcast. Thanks very much to Eurosport for the commentary clips that you heard in this episode. The music was by Amaratera, and it was produced by Hugh Owen 